Hello, and welcome to Great Takes Less Filling by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is U Street. This week it's Danny U Street Strigow, who is my Necton of the Week for what I would say is one of the most impressive defensive plays that I've seen maybe in the last year or two, and definitely by one of the big dudes, unquestionably. Uh, well, as long as we're doing Nectons, I'm going to have to go with uh, Nick Callerup because um, he's not our pass-catching tight end, and his body positioning on that touchdown reception was absurd. Yeah, it was fabulous. Also, excellent name, which we we discussed pre the podcast. We're not 100% sure how to pronounce Either way, it's great. Yeah, we apologize in advance for that. We're, we're not great with names on this podcast, and we admit that. Uh, we know our limitations. We are changing our best every day. Uh, but, you know, we are who we are. It's, what are you going to do? Uh, I'll tell you right now, I expected Minnesota, well, I, I tempered my own expectations just because I don't like to be disappointed. But... If I was to be really truly honest with myself, I was pretty confident Minnesota was going to win that game. There was no, uh, there was no part of me that was, you know, expecting a if but for the second team defense uh, situation where we're talking about the first shutout against Michigan State since 1967. Yeah, I definitely did not have them for a shutout. I did have it at. 35 points for for the good guys so one off on that front i gave michigan state 10 more points than they actually ended up getting but i also similarly was in quite confident that minnesota was going to win partially because what michigan state showed against washington was a defense in particular that was just asking to be carved up by kirk Sharaka, and an offense that had some challenges and i to be very blunt about the universe. I do not think there is a better defensive coordinator in the conference, which consequently means there is at most two defensive coordinators in the country who are better than Joe Rossi. And if Joe Rossi watched the Washington-Michigan State game, I suspect he would have been rather pleased with all of the things that he would be able to bring to that table. Did I think that they would blank them for as long as they did? No. Of course, Peyton Thorne fumbling on the seven-yard line or whatever was a bit helpful at the beginning of the second half. And once that happened, I thought, frankly, that was the dagger. I didn't think that Michigan State had a chance of coming back when they failed to score on their first possession coming in the second half. I got to say, I, I, I I'm going to mentally dissect the Michigan State fan base for a moment. What what about this season has you booing your team already? Like, I understand that your administration is full of idiots who thought paying a dude who had a single good year $9.5 million guaranteed for a decade, like, that raises the expectation level. But also... It raises the expectation level only if you, like, take as your prior that that was a good idea, which it, <laughs> which it, which it wasn't. No, and if it you're taking not. it, if you're taking that as your prior, I have to question your just, I have to question you as a human being with logic. So anyway, Michigan State fans, what are you doing? Like, it sucks and all, but we're booing. This is not Iowa. This is not an Iowa offense. Like, they have problems, I grant you, but I don't. 
like looking at what Michigan State did and think to myself, this is a horrible offensive team. I think, well, you've got some problems and you ran into a really good defensive team. Sorry about your luck. Yeah, and as usual, turnovers do tell a lot of the story. Fabulous, fabulous interceptions. Of course, began with Justin Wall or sorry, Danny Strigo, of course. But Justin Wally's interception is a great one. Clearly Peyton Thorne did not read that defense correctly, did not realize that there was someone in under coverage. That person was Justin Wally. But an overhead jumping up, kind of going to your back, is a play you'd expect a wide receiver to make, not necessarily a defensive back. I think Justin Wally is continuing to prove that he's going to be, at the end of the year, he should get some kind of distinctions, shall we say, from the coaches of the media. Danny Strigow's interception at not just a key time in the game, but also the athleticism to make a one-handed catch while engaged as a defensive end, fabulous as I began the progress journey, and the fumble at the, what, six or seven yard line that is recovered, of course, by, um, I think, Justin Wally, right? I was, yes. Yeah, so Justin Wally all over the field on those things. But that kind of snuffs out the offense. The other bit that I think is important is that Michigan State last season was probably not quite as good of a football team as their record may have indicated. and I mean, that feels like an understatement, but yes. Some of the dudes who are now playing and getting paid officially more what they're worth had a lot to do with that, and coming in this season, I just assumed they would take a little bit of a step back. I think the other bit from Minnesota's perspective that I would like to highlight is Terrell Smith last season kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think he's had a fabulous first four weeks. I think for me, the other, like, it's pretty clear at this point that the Minnesota offense is just going to take what you give them in the best way possible. Obviously, they haven't faced a defense that's truly challenged them in both factors of their game. I mean, Michigan State did a, I would argue, a relatively successful job for quite a bit of the game um, against the run. But eventually, you're just out of luck because their pass defense is so bad that you know you're, you're, the running game is going to get the holes it needs because if not, Kirk Shiraka is just going to tell Tanner to keep throwing slants all day long and you know they're gonna just tear you apart through the air so i don't want to i mean i enjoy laughing at uh another big 10 team's misfortunes as much as anyone but i want to give credit i think that the run defense for michigan state especially given the number of uh defensive linemen they had out and then lost another during the game i think they did they did you know perfectly perfectly well uh but i i'm really it's so nice it's so nice to have a Kirkwood offense back and be able to just look at it and go look at, I mean, even the, the, even the downs and distances where you're like, God, they really probably are going to have to punt here. You have to know in the back of your head that they have the ability to actually pick those things up too. Like it's not a, it's not a, um, it's really not a situation where you feel, um, oh, God, there's no way they pick this up. It's just, eh, okay, they'll probably have to punt. But 
then in the case of yesterday, no, no, they'll just pick it up. They'll pick up that fourth, or sorry, that third and 18. They'll pick up that uh, third and 14. Like that, if they don't pick it up through the air, Tanner Morgan will suddenly display, uh, you know, Formula One wheels. And, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, not, none of that was anticipated. It was perfectly enjoyable. I'm up for all of that. Um, Minnesota yeah, was it's, 10 of 12 on third down. The two third downs they missed, those are field goals. They're in the red zone, they took field goals there. So 10 of 10 on third down. They never punted. I mean, Crawford's punted, what, three times? Something like that. They're for, not... first, team, first team defense given up three points the entire season. Crawford's punted three times. I mean, they haven't played the stoutest of teams, so I, I'm still holding... I should be clear, I'm not holding my breath like thinking Minnesota's not a good team. That's obviously not what we're talking about here. It's more like I'm still waiting for what happens if they run into a more complete team, which at this point only feels like Penn State. Yeah, and I will also note, after four weeks, it's not obvious what you have in a football team, unless you are Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State. Because if you're Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State, I know you're going to be really good and that your second team is going to be really good and that your third team is going to be really good and the scout team is probably going to like win Conference USA or something. But if you're outside that really high-level Tier 1 elite, after four weeks, there's a few things that we're not really going to know. One, we're not actually going to know how it shakes out, what uh, opposing schedules are. So I think Michigan State playing Washington last week is a good example of this. Michigan State comes in as top 15 team, gets smoked by Washington. Is the implication of that that Washington is really good or Michigan State is really bad? And the answer is probably, like all things, somewhere in the middle. But if I had to shade, Michigan State, not as good as people thought they were. Similarly for Minnesota, Minnesota has played an FCS team, the worst team in college football, Colorado, who looks miserable, and now a, at the moment, mediocre to not very good Big Ten opponent. So their two Power Five opponents are not, as you said, complete teams or very stout on either side of the ball. I think Michigan State would have been a much tougher test, as if you mentioned, they didn't have key injuries on defense. I think it would have been useful to kind of see from a test perspective Minnesota's offense against a more complete defense. I suspect Minnesota will see a more complete defense in the next three weeks. But yeah, realistically, until you get to Penn State, a team that I think has the ability to score too, and so you might expect a game to be a little bit more back and forth, Minnesota, very fortunately, has done exactly what you would expect a good football team to do. It's played a bunch of not very good teams, and Mark Crawford has punted less times than the numbers of fingers one has on a hand. Yeah, at this point, um, we've we're looking at a situation where Tanner Morgan had as many incompletions yesterday as Mark Crawford has punted all season. That's that's a level of dominance that you would, if you are a good team facing a schedule that hasn't you haven't found the teeth of it yet. That's what a good team is supposed to do, and it's really enjoyable to watch them do that. I will quickly note, uh, in defense of the fighting Jerry Kills, 
that Hawaii is clearly the worst team uh, <laughs> in college football, having having been doubled up by New Mexico State yesterday. Um, That's, that so. is a fair point. Uh, correction, correction noted and well well taken. Tanner Morgan is twenty three of twenty six for two sixty eight and three touchdowns. As Chris mentioned, the Nick Collera touchdown was a heck of an athletic play. I don't think that was the best ball that Tanner Morgan could have thrown on that particular one. His touchdown pass to Daniel Jackson was perfect. And he was consistently making the intermediate throws that he needed to make. He was consistently checking down to the correct check down when he needed to check down, even on a play or two that I think he missed. So his fantastic run to pick up the first down, kind of bounce off of Michigan State, linebacker and get that extra yardage looking at the play live i think he had somebody deep but and i think it might have been daniel jackson but for whatever reason at the time he looked to make that read that wasn't available maybe it just hadn't developed in the way and because tanner morgan has been playing so long what i'm seeing is a lot of confidence to both stay in the pocket and just see what he's got but also kind of now know all right the clock's ended. It's time for me to just use my legs. And that has been really nice to see. Mo Ibrahim picked up another 100-yard rushing game, got a touchdown, which means he's first all-time? He is now first all-time. Uh, it is his record. And he did it in, ooh, I want to say he's a good seven games fewer uh, it took him um, to get to the record. Yeah, more, sure. total, more total years, but less actual games. Yes, correct, because of all the injuries. God bless his cyborg body recovering and allowing him to pick up the record he, uh, you know, obviously earned. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Tanner Morgan threw the ball to 10 different receivers. And he did that in the first half. It's not like that's a picking it up late situation. He had thrown to 10 dudes in the second quarter, which is pretty... I mean, also great play calling. Like, obviously, they're not picking his receiver for him. He's he's working his progressions. But, I mean, they have created an offense where you have 10 different dudes who are capable of catching passes and he can feel confident throwing them. That's a pretty nice situation to be in, honestly. Yeah, Sharaka, I thought, called a very good game. As I mentioned, Joe Rossi called a near-perfect game. Seven points is the only reason why it wasn't perfect. And my sense on the touchdown that Michigan State scored in garbage time is there is a mis- there's clearly a miscommunication. It's not clear if the miscommunication is the safety screwed up or the Michael Bishop, who I think was defending, screwed up. But Michael Bishop did not think that he was playing just a straight-up man coverage. I think he thought he had safety help that he did not, and so Michigan State makes a nice play there at the end. But if you're quibbling with what the second team defense is doing in garbage time, and that's sort of the only, oh, well, that was a mistake, you're doing well on defense. And so that, I think, is is going to be positive. It also, through four weeks, one of the things that, as I mentioned, that we know about this team is they've played teams that are not very good, and they've done what good teams do against teams that are not very good. Most prediction algorithms, for example, Kempom's rankings in basketball, you actually want to give a little bit more weight to the blowouts than you do to the close games. Uh, You prefer, of course, teams win them a lot. 
But if you have a team that's winning regularly by like less than than a few points in basketball or or in football, you know, maybe three, four, maybe seven points to sort of one score consistently, that doesn't necessarily tell you, oh, this team is really good. What it might be telling you is that that team is getting, quote, lucky. Now, maybe they're getting lucky uh, in the sense that they aren't creating very many chances, but when they create those chances, they're very successful. So that is constitutes in a sort of luck metric that may or may we may or may not like calling luck, but that's usually how it's framed. What you much prefer, and especially in a prediction algorithm, is some team, when it plays a team that it's supposed to beat by 10, beating that team by 20 and doing so regularly. Minnesota, I think, has covered the spread in every game it's played this season. Yes, that is my... Yes, they have. And those spreads for at least two of those games were like 30 points. Yeah, I think the Western spread was 35 or 37. Yeah. So that is exactly what you would expect a good team to do. It is nice to see that this team appears so far to be a good team. And there is nothing obvious that I would say, oh, this is the best this offense and defense is going to be this season. If you are P.J. Fleck, Kirk Scirocco, Joe Rossi, and the players, of course, I think you look at this game and go, well, we should have had two more touchdowns. Matthew Trickett should not have kicked two field goals. So there's two times in the red zone we should have had touchdowns. There are, you know, goes 23 for 26, which is phenomenal. And I suspect Tanner Morgan might be a little ticked that he's not 25 for 26. Yeah, it, there is not a single game this year where despite all the blowouts, you would look at it and say they played a near perfect game. And you wouldn't even say they played a, 90% 90% of the way there, perfect game. Like, I, I think if you were to kind of put it on a percentage scale towards a perfect game, at best you're looking at 85, 80%. Like, there's plenty to clean up every game. And that's not bad. Like, that's not a bad thing. I, I think it's a really great sign, especially given the way this program focuses in on learning like that that um, I have faith in the coaching staff to be able to keep finding teachable moments and using them to help the team improve. And this team seems composed of players that embrace that, you know? So it just, I don't know. It It's interesting. This is a really interesting year. I mean, anytime you can go and have a game like yesterday, have Tanner play the way he played, and have that be his third best completion percentage. Only his third best. Like, what? That's yeah, just... next next week coming up on Saturday, he gets to play the team who he had his best completion percentage against. I We will, of course, have more on the blog and, and our regular Sky U podcast about the Purdue game. But I think looking forward to your point, Chris, I don't know if it was just 80. I mean, I think that <laughs> I would probably say 90% against Michigan State. I mean, that was a very complete performance, but there are definitely things to clean up. If Purdue is without Aiden O'Connell, I would say you are in exactly the same position as they were against Michigan State, which is that they should win, and they should win reasonably handily. 
if Purdue does have Aiden O'Connell back, which they might, I also think they should win and Minnesota should win and Minnesota should win reasonably handily against Purdue because I don't look at Purdue's defense and think, oh, that's stout. And I think that the Minnesota offense can kind of score with anybody, which is not something that I've always thought. Certainly wasn't something I thought last year. So that that is nice. And I'm incredibly high on Joe Rossi and Joe Rossi's defense, despite the fact, as I've mentioned, I don't think they've played any opponent that's like, wow, that's an offensive juggernaut. The defense has done exactly what you would expect them to do against teams that are not offensive juggernauts. Make them look silly and make it so that their fans, I think incorrectly, are booing the team. Yeah, I agree. I think Purdue's a nice test. Um, if Aiden is playing and he's healthy, um, I would expect Purdue to get their points. Not a ton, but they'll get points. That That's a very good offense when it's clicking. That much is clear at this point. I mean, I don't... I don't view Penn State's offense as the one. I mean, I think they can score, but I'm not super freaked out by Penn State's offense. Penn State's defense, I think, is good. And Purdue really didn't have problems scoring against Penn State's defense. So, to me, a clicking Penn State, sorry, a, a, a in-rhythm Firing um, on all cylinders, healthy player, Purdue offense is an offense that's going to put up some points, regardless of how good your defense is. But uh, I agree with you. Minnesota can hang. And Purdue's defense is not good enough to... I mean, if you look at the... Even if you say the offenses are equally strong, Minnesota's defense is stronger. And I'm looking forward to to seeing how that plays out on homecoming. I'm also looking forward the the U has put a lot of effort into uh, trying to make um, the the striped color section thing something that could actually hopefully turn out this time. Um, I, I don't have a lot of expectations for it because Minnesota fans have shown no aptitude for this, but I am extremely impressed by the university's efforts to make this a thing. Uh, and here's hoping that, you know, fans at a Minnesota game can pull together the effort required to put on the correct color. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yeah, they're definitely uh, trying to make fetch happen. Whether or not that will be successful, unclear. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, as Street mentioned, obviously uh, look forward to uh, uh, a new edition of the Sky U podcast this week. Apologies for all the uh, the we ran to some snags. Primary one being I run this and edit this podcast, and I am still COVID positive. And let me tell you right now, get your booster because this Omicron thing it's not gonna it's probably not putting you in the hospital, but you're gonna feel like absolute absolute dumpster fire, and you do not want to feel like an absolute dumpster fire. I can just tell you that right now. Don't, Don't be the do Hawaii it. football of your health. Do, do not be the Hawaii football of your health. At least get yourself to fighting Jerry Kill level, um, which a booster should more than adequately prepare you for. So anyway, we've got a new podcast this week. Um, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage in the blog uh, as Purdue draws closer. But in the meantime, enjoy that win over Michigan State. Go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat.
for the thrill of the boat.